0: Good morning. Merry Christmas. You think about this season, and we have to ask ourselves the question, why is Christmas such a big deal? When you think about our nation and the world literally spends an entire month where they set aside normal routines, they decorate homes, they send out cards, they buy gifts, they go to parties, They go to all the special Christmas programs. Some travel long distances to visit family and friends. I mean, think about it for a moment. All this commotion over a peasant boy born over 2,000 years ago. Now you realize that your birthday is dated by his birthday. I mean, that's part of the significance of Christmas. And then you have to add the equation, why has Christmas become so controversial? I mean, just not in our generation, but previous generations. I mean, what has happened where Christmas becomes offensive to many people? Now, they still want the holiday time. They still want the time off. They still want the gifts. But Christmas for many has become a hassle, even for Christians, I know many Christians, that they just can't wait for the season to get over because it's supposed to be a time of joy, but because of all the festivities and everything going out, they feel stressed instead of pleasure. They feel pressure of debt instead of delight. And it's something they endure rather than enjoy. So think about the why of Christmas. I want to read Matthew chapter 1. You can turn there. And if you're watching online, you can get your Bibles and turn there with us. Matthew 1, verse 18. And reading down to verse 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Very familiar passage to many of us, but what does it mean? I mean, think about the shifts and changes that happen and would happen and still happen as a result of this event. I mean, what kind of changes exist even in our lives as a result of Christ coming and dying on a cross? The first first truth is that when Christ came in that form of a child, it was time for change. Or it was going to be a time of change. Now, how many of you here like change? (laughs) Well, it depends, right? Mark Twain said it this way. I'm in favor of progress. It's change I don't like. But think about it. Israel longed and prayed for a Messiah. And when Messiah shows up, everything changes. And so I had to ask myself this week, how do we respond to God interrupting our lives and answering our prayers? Because this birth was an answer to literally centuries of prayer. I read a blog this past week that talked about three different responses. and really kind of gives insight into ourselves and how we respond when God interrupts our lives, even today. The first was Mary. Mary was what we call an early adapter. I mean, there's no pressure on Mary, right? Angel comes along and says, just raise the Messiah. That's it. Of course, there's a scandal of a out of wedlock pregnancy hanging over your head there's the fiance you have to tell there's the parents and relatives and friends you have to tell but when all this came upon her what was her response in Luke one thirty eight, and Mary said behold I'm the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word let me translate that for you I do not know how this will play out but I'm in I will accept the new role. So when God interrupts our lives with prayer, are we like Mary? We just kind of jump in. Then there's Joseph. Joseph was what's called the hard sell. Took a little bit longer. He knew the prophecies. He knew the stories. He prayed just like every Jew prayed for the Messiah. But you know how we always think it's someone else? I mean, why would God answer that prayer through him and his fiancee? He was accustomed to being in control. High control, low change. Don't mess with my plans. I have them. They're all laid out. This is how it's supposed to go. And it took some time and an angel visit till Joseph said, okay, I'm in. Then there's Herod. He's what we call the deceptive resistor. It's interesting when the wise men came And they talked to Herod. Herod, in his public posturing, said, Hey, I want to celebrate. I want to know where this king is. I want to join in the festivities. But in private, he was defiant. He didn't want to let go of his power. And in his heart, he refused to bend his will to God's agenda. And in his heart, because he allowed the birth to be an offense to him, It caused them to do unthinkable violence on other people. So Christ shows up. He wants to do his thing in your life. He just doesn't want to change you. He wants to transform you. Are you like Mary? That says, I'm all in. I know it's crazy. But I'm going to listen and follow. Are you like Joseph? You take matters into your own hands and say, well, this makes sense. But later, after posturing by an angel and twisting your arm you say okay i give in or you're like herod you give the public face of being a follower of jesus but in your heart you deceive others and yourself and you end up doing violence to yourself and other people so let's understand that this birth of christ was a time of change it also was a time of celebration In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, And the angel said to them, these are the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you, that's personal, good news of great joy, that's positive, for all the people, that's pervasive. And it's good news that you can use. You see, there's three aspects of this good news that we celebrate. One is that God loves you, for God so loved the world. And the reason and purpose of Christmas is the love of God. And it just doesn't say that God loves you. It also tells us that God is love. That's his character. That's his nature. He is love. And we were created as an object of his love. And we were created so that he can love us. And it's an infinite love. And it's an unchanging love. And you've heard me say this before, but there is nothing you can do to cause God to love you more than he does right now. It's what we call unconditional love. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on our appearance. It's not based on anything other than he created you and he is love. And he will, if you give him permission, transform you. The truth is, he even loves you when you feel like he doesn't love you. And I pray this morning that you will know his love. But this time of celebration isn't only about God loves you, it's also about God is with you. We sang about Emmanuel, God with us. Angels showed up to the shepherds and says, don't be afraid, God's coming. God is among you. Now who here this morning hasn't felt the pain of rejection? Someone not being with us. Some knows what it feels to be abandoned by a spouse. Others know what it feels like to be rejected by family or friends. See, the good news is that God will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Isaiah chapter 43, the first three verses. I'm going to read them from a translation called The Message. Listen to what God says to Israel in the same promises to us. But now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God, the holy of Israel, your savior, I paid a huge price for you. See, God is with us. But not only does God love us and he's with us, he's also for us. It was Paul who writes in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he's talking about who can take God's love away from us. He says, nothing, no one. But God desires you to win. Now, it's not your definition of winning. It's, it's his design for us to win. And he's cheering you on. And we should celebrate this. We should celebrate, not only is it a time of change, but it's a time of celebration that God loves us, he is with us, and he is for us. It's also a time of salvation. Luke chapter 2, verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So Christ has come to save you from something, but also to save you for something. He saves you from your sins and yourself. Now, the good news is that Christ will do that. You know what the bad news is? That you and I are the source of most of our problems. Now, we like to blame other people, we like to push off excuses, we like to talk about our circumstances and situations. But even when other people cause you problems, our natural response often makes it worse. And we trip ourselves up far more than we want to admit. Think about the habits we can't break, the thoughts that we don't want, the emotions that we don't like. Think about our insecurities, our fears, our regrets, our resentments. Think about the offense that we refuse to let go of. And for change to happen, you have to start with your own heart. We were all born with an eye problem. Self-centered nature. We don't have to be taught to be selfish. Just watch any small child for an hour, and you'll realize that. Our inclination is that we want our way, not God's way. And this tendency to make wrong choices instead of right ones is what we call sin. We all have it. And it causes us to live as if we don't need God. We wanna be our own little messiahs. This prideful self-will, we disconnect from God. And it results in addictions and fears and anxieties. It results in emptiness. Look at our world on a global level. We see and feel the effects of sin, war and injustices, corruption, prejudice, poverty, sex trafficking. It all comes from a refusal to live by God's standards for healthy living. And who can save us? Jesus. He saves us from our sins. It's Christ who frees us to be who he has called us to be. And while we typically talk about how salvation saves us from, we also have to realize we are saved for something good. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It was some months ago we did a study in Ecclesiastes here at GBC, and it was a search for purpose. It was a search for significance. And Solomon, who's the author of Ecclesiastes, tried everything. Time, money, position, power. And his conclusion was that everything without God is useless. It is empty. And you'll never find significance in pleasures, position, and possessions. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. We need to give our lives away for a purpose greater than ourselves. That's the celebration of Christmas. He saves us from our sins and doing good things in this world. We choose to live grace. We choose to bless. Not only is it a time of change and a time of salvation, it's also a time of reconciliation. When you study world history, much of it's about conflict. Have you ever noticed that we do not seem to be very good at living at peace with each other? And each generation finds better and more sophisticated ways of killing each other? See, Christmas is about a solution. And the solution is a transformed heart. And what the world desperately needs is reconciliation. This design and purpose of Christmas is about reconciliation. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. So, where would you like to see peace this Christmas season? I read a a mall survey. You know what they are? It's where someone takes a question and just asks anybody in the mall that's willing to answer the question. And the question was this: Where would you like to see peace this Christmas in 2016? Here was the here was the answers they received. I like I'd like peace with my parents, my ex, and my kids. I'd like to see the end of political bickering. I thought, really? (laughs) I'd like peace in my mind and heart. I'd like to end prejudice against Muslims. I want my mommy and daddy to get back together. I wish people would stop being so rude. Honestly, one person said, if me and my spouse do not find peace soon, our marriage will be over. See, there's two problems when we think about peace. One is our self-centeredness. The other is we make demands on people instead of looking towards God. It's unrealistic expectations. James says this in chapter 4. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. That's us. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet. That's Our expectations of other people and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So Christmas is about three things in terms of peace it's peace with God, it's where we allow the Prince of Peace to reign in our hearts. Once you allow God to transform your heart, then there's the peace of God. The peace of God is our ability to navigate life. And of course, we allow things to rob us of peace, things like uncontrollable circumstances, unchangeable people, unexplainable problems. And we feel like we lose control. But Christ, through his Holy Spirit, through his church, really gives us the ability to live with this peace. And there's also peace with others. A few weeks ago, we... Looked at the passage in the Sermon on the Mount Blessed are the peacemakers. And we're called to actively live at peace and end unhealthy conflicts. It's what we call forgiveness. But this is our gift. It is a time of change, it is a time of celebration, it's a time of salvation. It's a time of reconciliation. My question for you in closing is, isn't it time that we unwrap this gift? I mean, for some here this morning, it means they need to accept Christ. They need to allow him to be Savior and then Lord. For others, it's the whole lordship question. It's about allowing him to reign in your heart. And you have believed the lies of our world. You've settled for being saved from and not being saved for. You've allowed unforgiveness to divide you. You've allowed self-centeredness to think you can play God in your life and those around you. But isn't it time for you to experience everything this gift has for you? Let me ask that question in a broader sense. Isn't it time for GBC to experience everything this gift has for us as the body of Christ? Amen? We're going to call the worship team to come back up. I want to close in prayer. And I remember in prayer those that during this Christmas season, we know about the Rainiers, uh, their mother is just waiting to go to their heavenly home. Others are in the hospital. I mean, even um, Kelly this morning was supposed to be playing piano for us, and she had an accident down in Gap. She's fine, but she couldn't get here. But as we think about this time of celebration, we think about this time of reconciliation, we think about this time of change and of salvation, let's think about the people around us and how we can bless and how we can be Christ in this world. Will you pray with me? Father God, I appreciate your grace and love this morning. It is a time that we gather here. It's your birthday. And yeah, we understand it's not your actual birthday. But it's a time that we set aside to honor and to praise you. We think of those this morning that would like to be here. And cannot due to physical illnesses. May you rest your healing hand upon them. We think of others that are watching a loved one just slowly drift to the next life. And her reward. Be with them. We, we pray for those that lost someone this past week, in the past few weeks, as we've had many go home to their heavenly reward this past month. May your peace that we talked about, may your comfort rest upon them. With the name of Kelly, Lord, we thank you she's safe and just be with her and as she travels back to where she teaches uh, some North American natives, that you would give her strength as she does that. But thank you, Lord, that we can gather here and to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you that in the midst of this world, we can be peacemakers. Teach us what that means. And every day we have an opportunity to bless someone and be Christ to that person. But thank you, Lord, we can gather here to worship to an audience of one. Thank you that we could take this time out this morning just to celebrate your birthday Help us to keep the why of this Christmas season now and tomorrow and the next week and next month until we see you face to face. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.